You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. On today's show, we're going to catch up with Cassidy Hill, who covers the Florida Gators and the Jaguars for SI. We will find out from her how the Gators are looking through their first few days of spring camp. Also, we are in the thick of the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament fully underway. The SEC Men's Tournament will get underway next week, but we'll have the regular season finale this weekend of uh, SEC Men's Basketball, so we'll get into a little bit of that. And also, our friends over at 24-7 Sports, they rank the top 10 SEC running backs heading into next season, so we'll run through that list as well. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's do it. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. Like I mentioned, the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament fully underway over in South Carolina. We had four teams eliminated in yesterday's action, so now we have the four quarterfinal games set for today at 11 a.m. Eastern. It will be top-seeded Texas A&M taking on eight-seed LSU, followed by five-seed Kentucky versus four-seed Georgia. Then tonight, it'll be two-seed South Carolina versus seven-seed Alabama, and three-seed Tennessee will take on, well, to be honest, the winner of Arkansas Ole Miss, who's playing right now as I'm recording this. So uh, one of those teams, most likely Arkansas maybe, They'll take on Tennessee. All of those games will air on the SEC Network. The uh, two semifinal games will be on Saturday with the championship game set for Sunday afternoon on ESPN2. Over on the men's side of things, we actually had a game played yesterday. We told you earlier in the week about that extra game Vandy scheduled, and they were victorious. They beat Cincinnati 78-64. Scotty Pippa Jr. led the way with 36 points for Vandy. So we'll see if... Maybe that extra game is a little bit of a spark plug to give Vandy some confidence heading into the men's tournament next week. Uh, tomorrow, we will close out the regular season of the conference with six games and then one last game on Sunday morning. South Carolina will take on Kentucky Saturday morning on ESPN, while Mississippi State will take on Auburn on the SEC Network. In the afternoon, Bama will take on Georgia on CBS, while Texas A&M plays at number 12, Arkansas. LSU, they will travel up to Missouri. That game will be on SEC Network in the evening. It'll be Vandy at Ole Miss on SEC Network. And then on Sunday morning, Florida will close things out at Tennessee on ESPNU. The SEC Men's Tournament will get underway next Wednesday. Football news. Former Tennessee offensive coordinator Jim Chaney has landed a new job following the fallout of the firing of Jeremy Pruitt and others from the Tennessee program. Chaney will stay in the South, but he's headed to the NFL ranks. The New Orleans Saints have added Jim Chaney to their staff as an offensive analyst. Chaney, who has coached football primarily college for 37 years, he comes to New Orleans after his second stint at Tennessee, which followed stints at Georgia, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, among other places. The Vols, they ranked 11th in the SEC in total offense last year, 12th in 2019. Over at Vanderbilt, Clark Lee, he's taking over a uh, program with that's dealt with its struggles, let's put it that way. Now he gets a chance to put his vision to work. He was on the Ralph Russo AP Top 25 football podcast, and he was asked 
how his knowledge of Vanderbilt helps him identify areas to start the rebuild. He said, quote, I'm not backing down from making statements about winning here and separating from our competition and the things we feel like are going to separate us long-term from a competitive aspect. We are going to have good days and bad days, but it doesn't change the end goal and the finish line we're working towards. You gotta love that, that Clark Lee is saying, we will win at Vanderbilt. Might take a little bit of time, but uh, will be fun to watch what he does there at Vandy. Tennessee, their uh, football assistant, Mike Eckler, he has received a two-year deal to be special teams coordinator and also serve as outside linebackers coach. His hiring cements that Kevin Steele will not be an assistant on Josh Heupel's staff, which had been reported for some time. But Mike Eckler is described as a very engaging and a charismatic leader. He comes to Tennessee from North Texas, where he served as the Mean Greens special teams coordinator last year. And speaking of Tennessee, their chancellor said this week she hopes to have the UT investigation wrapped up in the next couple of weeks. As far as expenses go, though, the outside legal firm conducting the investigation has already billed the Vols almost $300,000 for their work so far. We'll have to wait and see how juicy the details are of what really went down with Jeremy Pruitt and his staff that led to their departures. And one more UT note, Caden Martin, son of T. Martin, who is a four-star composite quarterback officially committed to Miami over Tennessee this week. He is the number seven ranked dual threat quarterback in the class of 2022, but he's also a very highly touted baseball recruit as well. Some believe he'll be drafted very high in next year's MLB draft. So loss for Tennessee, but if he goes to the baseball route, then I guess it won't matter much. 24-7 Sports, they rank the top SEC running backs heading into next season. In one of these off-season topics, we'll continue to revisit this throughout the coming weeks, but they put Kevin Harris out of South Carolina number one. No surprise there. He is the returning SEC uh, leading rusher, over 1,100 yards last year. Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, they put him at number two. He's the second leading returning rusher in the SEC, over 1,000 yards. Brian Robinson, they put at number three. Pretty easy to put him in there. He was the heir apparent behind Najee Harris. Still had almost 500 yards rushing himself last year behind Najee, but Brian Robinson expected to be right there, probably going to be in the Heisman race as well. Zamir White from Georgia comes in number four. He's their returning leading rusher, almost 800 yards on the ground last year. Number five, they put Tank Bigsby from Auburn, guy who fought through some injuries at time last year, but still had over 800 rushing yards in 10 games. Number six, Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky, one of the more underrated runners in the conference. He had almost 800 rushing yards last year, but A.J. Rose, his number two, he left for the draft. So now it's just Chris Rodriguez, chance for him to double up, do even more, uh, have even more rushing yards this year. Number seven, they have Jerry and Ely from Ole Miss. feel like he's a little bit low on this list. He had almost 800 rushing yards last year, and he and Snoop Connor were a solid one-two punch for Lane Kiffin in that Rebel offense. But Jerry and Ely could be poised for an even bigger year this year. Number eight, they put James Cook out of Georgia. He had over 300 rushing yards last year, of course, was the compliment to Zamir White. But first... Uh, First number two back they put on this list. Number nine, they went with Damian Pierce out of Florida. I'm going to be real curious to see how this Florida backfield shapes out. 
because you got Malik Davis back, who's pretty good, and then they've got the Clemson transfer, Demarcus Bowman coming in, and we don't know yet if he's going to be eligible or not. We assume he will, but that's a pretty good trio of backs in the Florida backfield. But 24/7 Sports going with Damian Pierce as the primary guy. And lastly, number 10, they put Traylon Smith out of Arkansas. I think too low on this list. A guy who had over 700 rush yards last year. Monster games last year against Florida and Missouri. I'd be a little bit higher higher on Traylon Smith. I noticed some other schools getting left off here. LSU getting left off the list with the likes of John Emery and Ty Davis-Price. We'll see what uh, those guys are able to do in 2000. 21. And there you go. That's uh, 24-7 sports ranking the top 10 SEC running backs for 2021. Coming up next, we're going to catch up with Cassidy Hill, who covers the Florida Gators and the Jaguars for SI. We'll get her thoughts on how the Gators have looked so far in spring ball. That's next. Bet Online AG is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We know football is over. College basketball is winding down. The last uh, bit of regular season SEC basketball games winding down this weekend, and then we'll get ready for the SEC tournament. They got action for you if you want to get in on the SEC tournament right at betonline.ag. BetOnline, they've got you covered with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. If you go to their website right now, you can do so on your mobile device, on your tablet, on your laptop, whatever. You can sign up today. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, no spaces in there. Real-time updated odds. And they've got you covered with all the news, scores, odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head there right now at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. You can subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Peter Bukowski does an awesome job bringing you all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today. We're along here, Locked On SEC, and we've been rolling around checking in with uh, different teams across the conference for the last couple of weeks, and now we head down to Gainesville as the Florida Gators have been well, they've frankly been one of the few teams getting a head start on spring practice and been out on the field and Coach Dan Mullen and company and join us now to talk all things Florida Gators is Cassidy Hill. She covers the uh, Jaguars for SI, also covers the, the Florida Gators as well. And Cassidy, man, you, you guys have been, haven't been enjoying this heat down here, down there in Florida while the rest of us have been freezing the last few months. Hey, it was 56 degrees here yesterday and I was freezing all day so. <laughs> yeah it's it's that's cold in florida I'm, I'm talking to my buddy in tennessee he's like well we got in the 40s like goodness gracious but there is uh there is a lot of stuff going on and obviously in florida it was interesting to see them bump up their camp a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and get started uh what are the early returns so far with uh, dan mullen and, and this so very short off season that they've had Yeah, exactly. They started spring camp a month early. They would normally be starting it around March 20th, and that's when they're ending it this year. And uh, a big reason for that, that was my first question to Dan Mullen when we had his first uh, spring practice press conference was, 
why the heck are you starting it in February? Did, did you look at the calendar wrong? <laughs> and um, he said, it really just what we wanted to do was because of the way last season ended, it ended obviously on a very sour note for Florida. Um, not even necessarily the loss to Alabama, but the loss to Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl was just an embarrassment. And they wanted to get on the field really as quickly as possible because they know that they're going to have so many young guys. You know, I think the second half of that Cotton Bowl was almost exclusively underclassmen. And they have so many young guys, they want more time to go through spring practice. Um, Well, from the problems from it. Um, so they still only have 30 days to get in 15 practices. They stuck to the NC. They have to stick to the NCAA guidelines that way. But by moving it up to February, because you've got guys, for example, Kyrie Elam, I would call the leader of the defense, has never been through a spring practice just because he didn't early enroll before his freshman year, and then last year COVID docked out spring practice. And so by moving it up, they now have more time between March and April before summer kicks in and the coaches can't have contact with the guys they have more time to go over that spring practice film and say this is what you're going to need to work on this off season when you're in your private workouts when you're in your teammate led workouts focus on this and so because of that we have seen a lot and a lot more young guys get reps in spring practice and when I say we've seen I mean by watching it on Instagram (laughs) because that's the only way to see spring practice right now just COVID restrictions they're not letting people come back out there understandable because ever since Nolan has arrived he's been very good about opening spring practice to media almost every day and to fans every weekend um but can't do that right now and so they stream it live on Instagram (laughs) <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's a whole, it's a brave new world out there. Uh, <laughs> but just watching it through that, we do see so many freshmen and sophomores getting more and more reps. And that is intentionally done. Uh, it was something Todd Grantham, defensive coordinator, much to a lot of Gator fans chagrin, still the defensive coordinator. Uh, <laughs> he made the comment the other day, you know, when you have a guy like Zach Carter come back, who's been here for four years and sort of surprised people by electing to come back instead of going to the NFL, he clearly doesn't need as many reps in practice as say a guy like uh, Britton Cox or even, um, you know, some of the younger guys like uh, Desmond Watson, who's been everybody's favorite to watch because he tips the skills at four thirty. They need more reps. They need, they have a lot more to catch up on. And so you can limit Zach Carter's reps down to a third of what he would normally get and just make those those third of his reps super specific. So, you know, say something Zach Carter needs to work on. This is just a, an example. It's not necessarily anything that I've noticed. But say he needs to work on third down obvious passing situations. He would only go in for those reps. And those other downs where he's already proved that he's stout and he's fine and he knows what to do and he knows the scheme, they're going to put a freshman in there that they need to catch up and give him double what he would normally get. So that's sort of how the coaches have structured practice this year. Um, it's a little bit different, but after they lost spring practice last year, they just said, we've, we've got to do everything we can to catch up because we're essentially trying to squeeze two spring practices into one because of how many guys missed out on it last year. And, you know, as such missed out on fundamentals, missed out on lessons, missed out on, communication which was clearly a problem on defense last year and uh so i guess we'll see if it pays off come september 
What are the early returns so far on the quarterback spot? I mean, obviously Kyle Trask was uh, incredible what he did last year and, you know, won't be quickly forgotten. But Emory Jones, I think everybody assumes, is the heir apparent. And, you know, he's waited his time. We saw him, mm-hmm. you know, a good bit these last two years coming in as kind of a change of pace, has that running ability and all that. But what can we expect out of Emory Jones this year if he, in, he indeed is the starter all year? Mullen's going to say it's an open competition, but barring some really unforeseen circumstance, Emory Jones will be the starter because Mullen really, really, um, he puts a heavy emphasis on seniority and loyalty, maybe sometimes to a fault, but with quarterbacks, it's always worked out pretty much in his favor. Uh, you know, with Kyle Trask, he sat behind Felipe Franks for two years, and and Mullen kind of jokes like, "Hey, look at what Kyle Trask did," and I have him, and I had him on the bench. Um, but that's because Felipe Franks had sort of earned his stripes and earned his keep to get to that point, and he earned that role on and off the field. Um, and that's going to be the same thing with Emory. Emory could have transferred; a, a lot of guys would have in his situation, but he stayed. He knows the system. And he knows he knows how that he knows how to lead that locker room now, and that's the that's one of the biggest things that Dan Mullen puts on his quarterbacks is leading the locker room. Having been there for three years, Emory's earned that respect from his teammates. He's earned that trust. He's earned that loyalty, and that's going to factor in to him being named the starter. That being said, we'll still see a lot of Anthony Richardson. You know, Mullen made the comment last week. Sure, we'll play two quarterbacks well into the season. And that was his big deal. Oh, he said we'll play two. He's always played two. If he has two that can get on the field, he's going to play them both. He did it with Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks. He did it with Kyle Trask and Emory Jones. He's going to do it with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Um, so it's almost like a 1A and a 1B. <laughs> that being said, uh, what Emory brings to the table, aside from just, you know, like I said, off the field and in the locker room, what he brings to the table just as far as his pure skill set is exciting because it's going to look different than it did last year. That being said, it could look the same if they wanted it to, you know, because Emory can run, that's where people's minds go, but he's got an arm. Anytime he's been asked to throw, it's been a really pretty ball. And, you know, I think back to the Georgia game, his, his true freshman year, he threw a long pass to Van Jefferson um, that kind of reminded, made people wake up and go, Oh, wow. You know, he, he can get it, you know, 45, 50 yards downfield if he has to. And watching the practice footage, um, albeit, you know, as, as limited as it may be, he's got a nice touch. You can tell he's worked on that even more. Um, he's He knows where to put it. He knows how to get it there. Uh, you know, we've seen a few of, like, those back shoulder throws that Kyle Trask uh, was just elite at. We've seen Emory doing that in practice. Um he can get out there and run the same offense that Kyle Trask ran last year if he had to, but he doesn't have to because he can also run, which is something that, you know, Dan Mullen has always been able to adapt to adapt his system to with a running quarterback. Um, So 
I don't think it's necessarily going to be run heavy with Emory, but I do think it'll be more balanced than it was last year just because he does have that skill set there. And, my God, he's got a running back unit now that's five deep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's what Gator fans are looking forward to most because it's, it's just – you, you've had decent run games at times, but you haven't had that that feature back in a while where you go, that is our running back. That's the guy who's going to go get us 100 yards on the ground today. More with Cassidy Hill right after this. Hey, go behind the scenes of the basketball side of things. Get all the sides of the story that you're looking for with Rejecting the Screen, the podcast each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. They get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the while, or all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with uh, Cassidy Hill, who is a SI Jaguar report uh, writer and, of course, covers the Florida Gators. You're in such a unique spot here, Cassidy, because mm-hmm. I think we're all intrigued, obviously, by what the Florida Gators are going to be this year. But Urban Meyer going to the mm-hmm. NFL and being a head coach right. of the Jacksonville Jaguars and some familiar faces, right? Charlie Strong, who was coached under him when he was in the SEC. Now he's his assistant there with the Jaguars. And, oh, by the way, he's most likely going to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall, who, of course, SEC fans have come to know with having to play them every year in the in the, uh, in the the uh, playoff games. So what has this been like so far? Is it just really weird seeing Urban take over an NFL franchise at this point? <laughs> it, it is a little weird uh, just hearing him talk about things about, you know, free agency and cap space versus – uh, four stars and five stars. I, I think a lot of those uh, principles translate, but you do have to understand the business side of it a little bit more in the NFL. Um, and that's something that Urban's just had to, he has said he spent the last year doing because he kind of had an inkling that he would want to move towards the NFL. And so he just spent the past year basically in a self imposed uh, class you know, talking to NFL GMs, head coaches, players of his that are now in the NFL. And spent a lot of time talking to Jimmy Johnson, who made that jump like he did back in the day from Miami to Dallas um, as a first-time NFL coach. And just sort of figured out what it takes to to make that jump. He actually did an interview with us last night that was really interesting. He said it's weird being – in the NFL because it's all football all the time. I don't have to worry about academics. I don't have to worry about, you know, recruits and stuff like that. But at the same time, it feels weird going home because I honestly like I'm cheating on the team (laughs) because when I was with college, I would go home. I'd sit down after a game or after a long day of practice, I'd have a glass of wine and I'd make my 10 recruiting calls. (laughs) Now I go home and I'm off for the day. (laughs) He said, it feels weird. I feel like I should be doing something and I, and I don't necessarily have to as much. Um, so I think just for his health, it could be as far as if he was going to get back into coaching for his health, it needed to be the NFL over college because of the way recruiting has gone in the transfer portal. It's just, it's, it's too much. Um, but now he's got a guy coming in, you know, I was doing some research yesterday and realized if you count the guys that transferred out, urban essentially has had three quarterbacks go number one overall. Alex Smith, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he developed Alex Smith. He recruited and signed Cam Newton and Joe Burrow. So he, he evaluated and saw their talent. Now he's going to be on the other side of it. You know, what is 
what does his process with that quarterback look like on the other side? I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing uh, narratives that's going to come out of this NFL season is to see, you know, what does that marriage look like between Urban and Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, the, the crazy thing is I, I was looking at the Jaguars roster this morning, and what stood out to me is they got like 15 to 20 SEC players already on that roster. And yeah. it, it just feels like, and I know Urban spent, you know, the most recent years at Ohio State, but, man, you're you're in Florida. You're, you're already in SEC, the middle of SEC country. If he drafts a couple more guys out of the SEC, I mean, do, does it feel like a lot of Florida Gators are already hop, or Gator fans are hopping on the bandwagon and buying Jaguars gear and excited only because Urban is there now? I'll give you a piece of trivia, Chris. Um, first of all, you actually have a lot of Florida fans that are also Jaguars fans just from being in this area. You know, say they went to school here or they, they grew up around here or they lived here. Uh, it's a 70-mile drive from one stadium to the other. Wow. So it's, it's easy to be a fan of both. Um, but also – the Jaguars have drafted more players from the University of Florida than any other school. <laughs> and I think at last year, it was last year after they took CJ Henderson, I think that brought the number up to like 26. <laughs> so they, wow. they drafted like 26 Florida players in a 25 year franchise history. Wow. And so they've taken more Florida players than they've taken from any other school. And so I think you have a lot of crossover there as well, just from Florida fans wanting to watch their guys in the NFL. Um, you know, they took Fred Taylor back in the day. Uh, and so there's already a lot of crossover there. And now it's going to be even more so because there was a long time there where the, the wound still festered for Florida fans from urban leaving. But, you know, time heals all wounds. Uh, a lot of that has sort of gone by the wayside now. You know, they've gotten over it. Mullen coming – I've thought this a few times. Dan Mullen coming back to Florida helped Urban Meyer's case with Florida fans more than anything else <laughs> because Dan and Urban are still very close. Yeah. And so he would – Urban started coming back to Florida games. Um, he's been at several Florida games over the past couple of years. He comes in for practice sometimes. He talks, you know, he's around the team. He's around the program. And uh, that has sort of helped. And, and, and Mullen refers back to his time here with Urban a lot. You know, well, when I was here with Urban, when we won that championship, it's like he's constantly reminding fans subtly, hey, remember that time I was here with Urban Meyer? We won you two national championships and a Heisman Trophy. Like, <laughs> and, and so that has sort of helped heal that wound as well. And so that's a long way to answer your question and say, yes, there are going to be a lot of Florida fans. Um, if they were not already Jaguars fans, they're going to be watching now just to see what Urban does and to, you know, th there's been talk that a possibility they have a the 25th pick in the first round. If he falls to them, that could be Kadarius Tony. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if, if if they take Kadarius Tony as well, then you're absolutely going to have even more Florida fans watching with rapt interest this fall. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the guys, just Josh Allen from Kentucky, Caleb on Chason from LSU. I mean, there's so many SEC guys, and not just guys that they took, but guys they've taken high in the draft that are now right. playing for the Jaguars. Last thing for you, Cassidy, before we let you go, uh, I want to talk a little bit on the Gators' schedule for this season. Obviously, you know, we got a full offseason to dissect it and all this, but is it as simply as 
that that cocktail party game is. I mean, every year it feels like that's the game that decides the mm-hmm. East and determines, you know, basically who's going to Atlanta. I mean, is it simple to say that it's a one game season? I mean, I know they have a road trip to LSU, road trip to Kentucky, road trip to Missouri, but is it as simple to say it all comes down to that game again? I think it does. It all comes down to that game, and maybe one other. Um, you know, I think Vegas has the the over under at nine and a half wins. And right now in this spring practice, everything is great haze. I would actually take the over and say 10 wins. Um, I think they split Alabama and Georgia. And I think they split LSU and Missouri. Uh, LSU is just, it's, a t- it's tough to play in Baton Rouge. And as that LSU-Florida game has shown us the past four or five years, and even you know a decade ago with the Timmy Tebow years, you never really know what's going to happen in that game. Somebody could throw a shoe, and that whole game could turn around. <laughs> you never know. And Missouri, for Missouri to do what they did last year under a brand-new head coach that no one had given any credit to, I think that was pretty impressive. And that's going to be a late schedule game, I believe, in Missouri. It's cold. Um, so either between LSU and Missouri, I think they split those. And then Alabama and Georgia, I think they win one, lose one gun to my head, I think they would win Alabama, lose Georgia. Um, just because of the emphasis that Mullen puts on those big games, they get Alabama early in week three uh, at home. You know, if I had to pick one, I'd say they, they win Alabama. But but like I said, I think they split Alabama and Georgia. Um, and if they lose to Alabama, they have to beat Georgia if they want to just keep their win percentage up and get back to Atlanta. Okay, last one. Yes or no question. A year ago from right now, on this date, is Todd Grantham still the D.C. at Florida? A year ago? A year a year from now. Sorry. A year from right now, 2022. <laughs> the, the fact you're having to think about it lets us know where, where they are with him. Right yeah, now. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I, I don't want to judge him wholly off 2020 just because of how many outside factors were working against them. You know, they, my gosh, I think they were only able to tackle like three or four times in practice during the season. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to completely hold 2020 against him, but I also think that he will be encouraged to take an NFL job if it comes open again. Yeah, it's it's always funny how that happens, Cassidy. A guy's bad at his job, and it's oh, he got a great offer somewhere else. He's moving on. It's a he's, it's a yeah, better we're, opportunity. We're really happy for him. Yeah, <laughs> Cassidy Hill. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. You can check out our work, uh, the Jaguar Report at SI, of course, covering the Florida Gators as well. And Cassidy with a K G Hill on Twitter. Cassidy, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Y'all have a good day. All right. Thanks so much, Cassidy Hill joining us here on Locked on SEC and uh, really appreciate her uh, insight into both the uh, you know the obviously the Florida Gators and they're in the middle of their spring practice already with Dan Mullen and obviously she gets to cover now Urban Meyer on the uh, side of the NFL the former Florida Gators coach who gets to inherit a ton of SEC talent with the Jacksonville Jaguars I'm just like I'm really intrigued like I know across the south especially the SEC landscape we've got fans that are Saints fans, Falcons fans, Titans fans, Jaguar fans, maybe some Dolphins fans, obviously, with Tua being there. But uh, I think you're going to have a lot more SEC fans kind of pique their interest. I mean, like, you're going to have the Florida fans rooting for Urban and wanting him to do well and, you know, uh, take him to new, to new heights. And obviously with, with Trevor Lawrence, uh, who they're most likely to take, number one, that's going to help. But 
you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of other people who hate Urban Meyer <laughs> that are going to be rooting against him and wanting him to fail with the Jaguars. So, anyway, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch no matter what. We appreciate Cassidy coming on there, giving us an update on the Florida Gators. It's going to do it for us. We will talk to you guys next week as we'll continue to bounce around the SEC, previewing some of the teams as they are in the middle of their off seasons, getting ready for spring practice if they haven't already. We'll do that all next week right here on Locked on SEC. Make sure you're subscribed and getting us daily for you. And you can always check us out at LockedOnSEC.com. We'll talk to you guys next week.